0: Our workforce studio.
1: My elevator seats really got better over time. In the elevator, you got me for two minutes. Sell yourself. Four, three, two, one. VR Workforce Studio, podcasting
2: the sparks that ignite vocational rehabilitation through the inspiring stories of people with disabilities who have gone to work
0: and a position at NASCO Cabinetry.
2: As well as the professionals who have helped them.
1: A job and a career. You gotta look at how life-changing this is.
2: And the businesses who have filled their talent pipelines with workers that happen to have disabilities. To
3: help expand registered
4: apprenticeship
2: These are their stories.
4: Because there's such a great story to tell about people
2: with disabilities. Now here's the host of the VR Workforce Studio, Rick Sizemore.
1: Our guest on today's show is the president of the National Rehabilitation Association, Dr. Deanna Henderson. She joins us to talk about how NRA is reshaping their annual conference, planning now underway with a focus on COVID-19 and race relations. As we also approach International Podcast Day, we're very excited about that over the past five years. We've talked with some amazing people with disabilities who have gone to work through vocational rehabilitation, from army vets who now drive trucks to artists who draw by holding their pencil in their teeth, substance abuse specialists who were once in need of help and now help others, people who have been in near death motorcycle and industrial accidents who now work in executive training and educational positions. And we've talked to our nation's leaders in VR the heads of organizations like CSAVR, WINTAC, the National Rehabilitation Association, and the NET. And we've been involved in the creation of the VR National Anthem, featuring George Denehy, and sharing the story of how the Blue Man Group reaches out to people with autism. Well, what a journey it's been, and we're just getting started in our pursuit of podcasting the sparks that ignite VR. So happy International Podcast Day and Special thanks to everyone who's helped us along the way in becoming one of America's leading VR podcasts, especially the Wilson Workforce and Rehabilitation Center Foundation, Eric K. Johnson, the podcast talent coach, of course, Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting, and Jim Rothrock, Kathy Hayfield, and all of our partners and supporters in VR like RSA, the Virginia Voice, Deb Rue at the Global Impact Today Radio Network, and Sherry Takamoto at the National Clearinghouse for Rehabilitation Training Materials. And, of course, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, my brother, the Wizard of Technology, Randy Sizemore, for all of his support. Happy International Podcast Day. Well, in today's big inspiration showcase, it's Christopher Spoden, who has a message about Asperger's Syndrome and his story of the elevator speech that helped him land his dream job with a government contractor. Welcome to the podcast, Christopher. Thank you very much. Some guests are simply not allowed to get into the specifics about their job, but Christopher, uh, tell us what you can about where you work.
3: Currently, I am a government contractor at Pacific Architects and Engineers, or PAE for
1: short. Take us back to a time when you were not working and thinking about what your career pathway might be and how you connected with Vocational rehabilitation. Could you tell us about that?
3: It was a, I actually connected with it after my undergrad years at Lynchburg College, which is now the University of Lynchburg. I was out. Of, I had just gotten out of school, and I was looking for a job. And my mother and I heard about the, heard about DARS, and we decided to give it a try. And we started hitting. We met a per- representative, and we we, hit, we felt like this was a pretty good fit. It was. They worked with people with, dis- with disabilities, which I I have and. They also help you find a job and the person, and we just, it seemed like a very friendly environment.
1: Well, let's talk about your uh, disability. Could you tell us uh, uh, just a bit about your disability?
3: Well, my personal disability is Asperger's syndrome. Now, a little background on this. It used to be its own, own certain thing, but borderline autism. But then in 2013, they apparently classified it as higher functioning autism which means it's not so apparent as, say, somebody with Down syndrome. It's basically a thing that's not really too noticeable. Basically, with me, I've noticed some things that I've actually looked up information on, and I've noticed some things that do fit me. I have a thing for routine. I I like my routine, and it's not always easy for me to properly express myself, or it hasn't been easy for me to pr- properly express myself. I'm not antisocial by any means. I do like people. And I think also this attention to routine has given me an attention to detail as well. And apparently when we latch on to a certain topic of interest, we get very focused on it and we, to the point where some people are, it's, we may become experts in, our, in that field of interest. For me, it's writing fantasy stories. It stayed with me, and I love fantasy, and I want to really write a story of my own someday and write a ho- hopefully write a whole series.
1: How did you decide on what you might do in vocational rehabilitation to get ready for work?
3: Oh, I tell you, stars was just, I can't recommend them enough. They were very valuable. I learned quite a few things. about. I knew you had to get ready for an interview with a job and try to answer questions as best you could. But of course there's a lot more to it than just answering questions. There's other things as well. You, how you present yourself, you can research the company, get a little know-how about them. Maybe you don't need to know everything, but you get enough of a knowledge that you can tell the company that you've, that you've researched it, and they might actually be quite pleased that you took the time to find out more about them. And of course there's more to that as well. You also have your body language, your eye contact, how you present yourself, maybe making your questions less rehearsed and more conversational and then of course if you don't necessarily do well in an interview you can write down the questions that gave you some trouble and then you can look over them and see and craft a better answer for those we we also at stars they also sent me possible job job openings and other places and also we did mock interviews and they also injure a representative from DARS actually introduced me to a job club group up in Alexandria, Virginia, and that was a very helpful class because one of the two highlights in particular, along with the mock interviews and practice, we also would meet people from representatives from various agencies who would come and basically come and talk to us. It was made up of three instructors and a class of job seekers including myself in the ladder. and basically the agency's representatives would come in, they would tell us a bit more about their agency and they would listen to us sell ourselves, which leads me to my second highlight, the elevator speech. One of, that is basically in a nutshell, the elevator speech is imagine yourself in an elevator with a prospective employer. you've got up to two minutes to try and sell yourself as well as you can. You tell about your skill sets. Your experience, job experience, what you're looking for, who you are. And this could, and we basically crafted it so we could present it more as a conversation as well. And we would do this in mock interviews and practice it daily among ourselves. And we would give each other feedback as well, positive feedback that would, would give, that would help us improve it. And my elevator speech really got better over time.
1: we're trapped in the elevator you got me for two minutes sell yourself
3: all right hello my name is christopher spoden i have a master's in library science and a bachelor's in history as well as over four years of work experience during which i've gained a great deal of experience seeking a position with a library museum or federal organization where i can utilize my research customer service and organizational skills i held a library page position at the university of Kentucky where I withdrew materials for patrons and he eliminated older materials from the archives. I volunteered and worked at a, as a library page with the Warrington Library, and I, where I put an experience with the programs of Sierra and the Online Computer Library Center, also known as OCLC, sorted and retrieved materials and assisted patrons. I al, have also completed three museum internships. One was at the Historic Sandusky Foundation in Lynchburg, Virginia, and another was with, with the National D-Day Memorial in Bedford, Virginia. The latter was my favorite job to date as it involved researching World War II topics, great displays, and my work led to more information being included than previously. More recently, I completed my third internship with the Museum of Culpeper History. On an individual basis, I opened and closed the museum and engaged with visitors by greeting them, answering questions, and explaining procedures. In addition, I also performed research, and among my proudest accomplishments to date was the creation of two educational notebooks on Native Americans and agriculture. I am particularly proud of these projects as I designed them for second and fifth graders, and both will contribute to the education of elementary school students. I love libraries and museums, and I love reading and learning about history. I'm hoping the library, museum, or federal position will allow me to use my experience to work with material collections and serve the public. Thank you for your time.
1: Wow, I love that. That is absolutely awesome. Without a doubt, I would hire you. No questions asked. I mean, just on that two minutes, that was fantastic. Thank you. My
3: instructors have said that I I really improved from how I first started, and they were very proud.
1: Yeah, we caught up with your rehabilitation counselor, Lasagna Jackson. Let's take a listen at what she had to say about your Vocational Rehabilitation Program.
0: Yeah, I was just I was just proud of him because he stuck with us, you know, because he even did seasonal work with Prow and Heart because he was just willing to do anything. He just really wanted to work. He really wanted a chance. Whatever we presented, um, we had a reverse job at the office, and he came. You know, whatever there was we wanted him to do, he would do it, and it was just hard for us to find a position that um, was permanent it took a while to get the position, but yeah, he did. He, he worked hard. He was having difficulty with interviewing. So we kept, um, practicing his mock interviews a lot. You know, he was able to secure the position.
3: She's very, she's very professional and she knows her stuff. (laughs) And I just found it it was pretty easy to work with her. She also helped me with my resume as well, because, of course, I need a resume for a job. That was a very big requirement. And she would help me with that from time to time as well, along with others. I'd say I was very glad to meet her.
1: What other things would you like people to know about your vocational rehabilitation experience?
3: I definitely recommend ours highly. And that it really helped me to get into the world and work world and just helped me to polish myself up. To- Give me a better idea of what to do when you're interview- being interviewed, and how to answer questions, how to present yourself, and how to get pr- prospective employers interested in you, and also how to look for jobs. And because at first when I was applying for a library jobs, so that was my area of interest. But then it was suggested to me that maybe I should try expanding my horizon, so to speak, and looking for stuff that had a, that fit in my experience and skill sets. So. It was that seemed like a good idea, and they just helped me always. Like I said, to they would point out job openings, and they would help me prepare for interviews and get ready. And basically, with Sonia was part of that process, and she did whatever she could to help me. We always kept in touch
1: as well. Do you have a favorite story that might help people listening to this podcast understand a little more about what it's like in your average day? To, to have a disability like Asperger's?
3: Well, one story that came to mind was working at the Pepper Museum. I had two particular projects I had to do where I had to research and look for information on Native Americans of the Northeast and agriculture. It was also aimed at second to fifth graders, and my agriculture project was that too. Put them all into an organized fashion, try to have a table of contents and various 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 aspects. Basically, including little visual aids and activities to have it to entertain as well as educate the students. So you, I want them to be interested in this. I don't want them to be bored. And I think my Asperger's just paying attention to detail, making sure that every that the summaries I typed up were correct, and trying to find various activities for them to do. I think that played quite a role in trying to get my Project together. And I'm just so, it's those two are my two proudest accomplishments I've I've had, two of my proudest moments, because I just, the fact that it's going to be used by students everywhere, the students in Culpeper and likely in Virginia, that's, and maybe even beyond, that's just, that's very, that's a source of inspiration for for me, because I never would have, years ago, I wouldn't have seen myself in that position, but. I've helped contribute to their education, and that's a that's a great accomplishment. I'm just I'm just very happy where I've gotten today.
1: What would you say to uh, someone that has a disability just thinking about VOC rehab as a way of getting a job?
3: If you're feeling frustrated or disappointed, I've been there. Trust me, I have. We all have. And, we all have. I, yeah, but just as I was told, I was told just keep plugging away and. That's why I said to you: plug away, keep going, do what you can. Learn from if you made any mistakes. Learn from them and see what you can do to make yourself better. And provoke rehab. Don't be afraid to ask for help. I I need it. I won't. I'm not ashamed to admit I needed it because I wouldn't be where I am today if not for DARS. I can in, in large part because of DARS. I can say that truthfully.
1: You were a little nervous about doing this. I want to tell you, you did a fantastic, fantastic job. Wonderful reflections. You are a rock star. Thank you.
3: Whether you have a disability or you're just a general job seeker, I say you just do what you can and keep going. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be be a very not going to be necessarily a smooth transition, but you can but keep going. It can be done. And,
1: it, and you can do it. Christopher Spoden works for a federal contractor providing critical services. National Recovery Month is held every September to educate Americans that substance use treatment and mental health services can enable those with mental and substance use disorders to live healthy and rewarding lives. Join us now for our tribute to those in recovery. According to the National Institutes for Health, More than 400 people die every day from drug abuse or alcohol-related causes. Bentley Wood found himself on that destructive pathway with life spinning out of control.
4: It didn't take long for me to go from using drugs occasionally to using everything and anything I could get my hands on every day. And my drug of choice was more. Didn't matter what it was as long as I could, as long as I had something to alter my mood or mind.
1: Then, Bentley's home was raided, and he found himself in jail.
4: Lawyer came in and said, you're in trouble. Maximum guidelines on your charges are 270 years.
1: With this new reality, Bentley connected with his family.
4: I went back to jail, but I sat down with each of my two daughters and and told them I was going back to jail, and I didn't know if or when I would ever get out again.
1: But things began to change for Bentley, as he worked through the judicial system and became one of the first graduates of the Montgomery County Drug Court. Bentley focused on the future, reflecting on what he had learned about DARS while incarcerated. With the possibility of a new life, employment emerged as a critical need, and Bentley connected with his vocational rehabilitation counselor, Hope Bradbury.
4: It was really exciting for me to to build that relationship in the beginning, which was built on hope and trust. No self-worth, no self-compassion, and uh, a belief that um, life is never gonna be any better. And hope was a piece of me beginning to believe. I mean, there were lots of factors involved in my recovery, but my relationship with her was a supporting piece of beginning to find the belief in myself. Uh, I do not believe that I would be sitting here if DARS hadn't been there to help me in the in the moments that I really needed that help. I'm an advocate for drug court. I'm an advocate for recovery, and I also, tell my clients about DARS because DARS was a huge part of the early recovery for me. There were a couple times when I had no money and gas cards gave me the money that I needed to get to work. And today, you know, I feel like that I can continue as what I'll call an ambassador for DARS. And that's to share with other people the hope that hope brought to my life and to my recovery experience.
0: It's humbling. He's a great inspiration to others. He has worked his way up to now helping people into the recovery process, and he is such a promoter of the positive side of things. So I'm just so proud of Bentley.
4: Employers need people in recovery because resilience transcends everything. My message isn't about the addiction. My message is about the recovery. My name's Bentley Wood. I work for New River Valley Community Services as a peer recovery specialist. I became certified, and then I registered with the Board of Counseling, and so that makes me a registered peer recovery specialist also. really appreciate the opportunity to be here, and without DARS, I don't think I would be.
1: You can hear Bentley's entire story on Episode 79 of the VR Workforce Studio, Or learn more about the Virginia Department for Aging and Rehabilitative Services at VADARS.org. The Virginia Department for Aging and Rehabilitative Services, helping fill the talent pipelines of Virginia's businesses and industries with skilled, talented, and credentialed workers who happen to have disabilities. In our VR briefing room, we're fortunate to welcome Dr. Deanna Henderson, who's the current president of the National Rehabilitation Association's Board of Directors, here to talk about their upcoming conference and, of course, Disability Employment Awareness Month. Welcome, Dr. Henderson.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much for having
1: me. Uh, Deanna, it's nice to have you on the podcast. I was getting ready for the show yesterday afternoon and took about six years yesterday afternoon (laughs) reading... (laughs) Through your list of accomplishments, you've been in key faculty and leadership positions at several universities. You've had real-world, what I like to call, boots-on-the-ground experience in the field of rehabilitation. You're published. You're a noted national speaker and now the president of the National Rehabilitation Association. So just to set the context for today's show, could you give us a quick overview of NRA's mission and vision?
0: We are uniquely positioned as the oldest rehabilitation um, organization in the U.S. And so we have a, a due diligence to make sure that consumers, individuals with disabilities, are properly noted and cared for in their respective communities. And so NRA is a national organization that works with many states across the country um, in order to make that happen. And so we have chapters in each state and we have several divisions that are focused on specific avenues of rehabilitation, counseling, or rehabilitation in general to make sure that our consumers are getting care of.
1: Deanna, so many rehabilitation professionals plan their network working in their personal development around the fall conference. Uh, I understand there are some changes in the works with a fresh new look and approach being scheduled at some point in the not-too-distant future. What's on the horizon for NRA's annual conference?
0: we're still in the uh, planning stages, but we want to offer our consumers and our members some type of education and training specifically around COVID-19 and how we can make sure that our consumers are getting the help and the support and resources that they need in order to successfully navigate the pandemic as everyone else is trying to navigate the pandemic this year. In addition to that, the National Rehabilitation Association wants to address some of the race-related challenges that have plagued the U.S. this year and talk a little bit about um, how we make sure that not only consumers um, and those with disabilities are taken care of, but what about our minority consumers and what does that look like
1: for them as well. Next month in October is National Disability Employment Awareness Month. Uh, Now, this year's theme is Increasing Access and Opportunity Now, we've talked a lot about the 30th anniversary of the ADA on this show, but it's also the 75th anniversary of National Disability Employment Awareness Month. Now, if you go out to the Federal Department of Labor's Office of Disability Employment Policy, and we'll include the link for that in our show notes, you can find a lot of information, uh, including a link to download free posters and resources about National Disability Employment Awareness Month. Uh, Deanna, so what does all this mean in real terms for people with disabilities?
0: Well, um, what it means for people with disabilities is that we are reminding um, America's employers the importance of an exclusive Work environment and inclusive hiring practice. We're also reminding Americans that individuals with disabilities are successful, productive employees and that um, they should definitely be included. And I think it's important to highlight that accommodating individuals with disabilities is going to help America recover economically. And so I think it's important that every year we have this month to make sure people are aware of the importance of inclusivity.
1: I mean, the emphasis in our current uh, pandemic is about helping recover, but there's a bigger picture in all of the workforce context about filling the talent pipeline. I have to put you on the spot. Do you have a favorite story about an individual with a disability going to work?
0: It put me on the spot, Rick. Let me think
1: about <laughs> it. <laughs> Someone with a disability went back to work. As you reflect back on that, what what does it leave you with?
0: So it left actually it left me with um, recognizing the strength in everyone. You know, after something so traumatic can happen in life and the resiliency of people and people with disabilities, oftentimes people um, themselves with disabilities may forget about their strengths, their qualities, their positive characteristics. Because sometimes the world identifies them only by their disability. But seeing the the spark, the, the, the glow, once someone is able to return to work and become a participant in society again is so beautiful. And again, it reminds me of the resiliency and the strength in us all. And so I think that person overcoming overcoming their tragedy in their eyes, and I'm, I'm using the words that they use, so I don't want people to think I'm saying it was tragic. These are their words. And being able to return to work and be successful in their work, not only doing that, but able to teach for us at the university, it was just, again, it was all about resiliency. It was all about strength and looking within in yourself and seeing those positive
1: quality. Do you have anything else you'd like our listeners to know about the National Rehabilitation Association?
0: The National Rehabilitation Association is the oldest professional member organization in the United States. And again, we work and advocate for the rights of individuals with disabilities. I would love for you all to check us out. Our webpage is nationalrehab.org. Um, come check us out, attend our conferences, do um, Come join our organization and be a part of the change that we're trying to make in the world.
1: Dr. Deanna Henderson is the president of the board of the National Rehabilitation Association. Thank you so much for joining us today, Deanna.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: It's time for our National Clearinghouse Update with the always entertaining and informative Sherry Takamoto. Welcome, Sherry.
5: Hi, Rick. It was really interesting to hear about Christopher's story, and I have a few autism resources to share. Great. So the first is called the STAR, Secondary Transition Resources for Students with Autism, and it was from a group convened by the National Technical Assistance Center on Transition to explore what is known in research related to autism and how that applies to employment and preparing for employment. The second is from Workforce GPS, and it's Workplace Resources for Autism Spectrum Disorder for folks who are interested in hiring people with autism.
1: Right on the mark for today's show, for sure.
5: So I want to share something that we're excited about, which is the virtual series of results and reflections for RSA's technical assistance and demonstration projects, and about... um, 12 to 14 projects share their results and resources for what they learned over their past five, three to five years of funding.
1: Wow. And next month is October.
5: Yes. And October is National Disability Employment Awareness Month. This year's theme is increasing access and opportunity. And I'll go ahead and share the link for that so that all your listeners can start preparing for October.
1: Sherry Takamoto directs the National Clearinghouse for Rehabilitation and Training Materials. Thank you, Sherry. Here's Lynn Harris, Director of the Wilson Workforce and Rehabilitation Center Foundation.
0: foundation is so pleased to bring you these exciting stories of how vocational rehabilitation is changing people's lives by helping them gain the skills and credentials they need to be successful in business and industry we thank all of our partners in podcasting who made this episode possible able now aladdin foods the council of state administrators of vocational rehabilitation cbs health first bank and trust and the hershey company you can find out more by visiting us at www.rcf.org or find our contact information in the show notes at vrworkforcestudio.com.
1: You can always find another exciting episode as we podcast the sparks that ignite vocational rehabilitation here at the VR Workforce Studio. Until next time, I'm Rick Sizemore.
2: The VR Workforce Studio podcast is owned and operated by the Wilson Workforce and Rehabilitation Center Foundation. The Foundation publishes and distributes the VR Workforce Studio and manages all sponsor arrangements. Audio content for the podcast is provided to the Wilson Workforce and Rehabilitation Center Foundation by the Virginia Department for Aging and Rehabilitative Services in exchange for promotional considerations.